Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the second part of this week's episode. Um, if you've missed the first part, um, then uh, do go back and listen to it, or if not, listen to them out of order. I don't really care. Um, I've still got Al and Rory with me. Uh, Rory, we've had a late shout, um, uh, sort of breaking news for um, somebody to play for who from 15 years ago who played for Scotland now. Yeah. Well, I think um, probably the thinking was that Stuart Hogg wasn't quite dynamic enough at the back, so uh, we've had a late vote in for Brendan Chainsaw Laney to come into the team. Um, which is a tremendous shout. Yeah, good, good, strong contribution. That. Um, yeah, we. Did... That, well, I better give a shout out. That was Kiento on Twitter. So thanks for that. Yeah. I, I before we move on, guys, just are we not missing one very evident name that just for pure historic and sentimental value really well, needs to be there? Another Dynamo at fifteen. I, well, well, potentially sometimes. Um, and also Dynamo falling fast asleep in his car after being on a night out. But I mean, surely Dan Parks. I oh, mean, yeah. Imagine oh, Dan Parks on this side. How could we forget Dan Parks, guys? Think yeah. of the control. Oh, think of the gate. Did we ever? Did we ever achieve? I don't think it's ever achieved in Scotland, was it? We never had Laidlaw at nine and Parks at ten, did we? Or did no, we? Was that the Calcutta no. Cup match after? Was that the first? The twenty? The first Calcutta no, Cup I think match it was after that World not Cup. The... Was that not the first Calcutta Cup, the Greek one this year? Yeah, it was. Well, no, I'm the not first sure. one, the first one back was the Parks' very last game after the 2011 World Cup. So the 2012 Calcutta Cup match was the one where he um, booted it from the 22. Uh, no, he booted from 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 inside um, the, the behind the line, the try line, and it got charged down by England, and they scored that try, and he never played for Scotland again. And I don't know if Laidlaw was playing nine that day. Um, there was, I mean, that was Denton's type, debut. Yeah, if you say if you type Greenwich Laidlaw Dan Parks into Google, it looks like uh, Laidlaw maybe came off the bench a few times um, for him a few times when he went back in his days when he was covering covering ten. But whether they ever uh, teamed up at the same time, I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not sure, but I think it's possible and probably scientifically possible that they played together. But of course the game was so slow that time started to go back on itself. And then we reselected the team again because <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine how slow that would have been. Anyway, this episode, we're going to try, we're going to have a little look back at Glasgow and Embers season and then the state of Scottish rugby in general. And then we'll do our um, hands in the ruck um, for this year. Um, let's, we'll start with Embers. We, we've talked a lot about Glasgow in the last few podcasts. I'm conscious partly because we've had Ian and John on in there. Um, obviously more Glasgow um, centric than than the others. Um, that was a good season for Ember, Rory. Yeah, um, I think uh, that was that was probably far more than everyone would have expected with a new coach. Um, when they sort of announced that Cockerell was was rumored to be you know on their radar as a signing for the new coach, I thought, ah, uh, I mean, you can see why they would. 
but it's just like oh he just he doesn't like the press and he's just a bit sort of snarky and but actually as it turns out that you know somebody who's that kind of forthright and honest as a, as a coach is actually exactly what Edinburgh needed as it turned out um, and most of the players seem to have responded to it. Um, I think if you'd said to any Edinburgh fans at the start of the season you coach same squad pretty much entirely as had underperformed for at least a season or more you're going to get to the playoffs I think they would have bitten your hand off they're going to, you're going to qualify for Europe yeah they'd be like fine you're going to be as prop, you're going to be an interesting enough proposition as a club that John Barkley and Matt Scott will come back and play for you I think uh, yeah they'd have been they'd have been quite happy with that I'm surprised Rory you were quite so down on Cockrell's appointment I thought it was a bit of a coup um, yeah I mean uh, it Certainly, in terms of his yeah his his caliber as a as a coach, it was just that I hadn't warmed to him particularly from uh, you know seeing him in the on the on the telly previously. Um, he's not a media just, personality. Is no, he's coach. definitely not. I mean the um, you can yeah. And Ed, Dave Rennie's not exactly renowned for being you know laugh a minute. He's hardly <laughs> he's hardly chuckles, is he? Yeah. Do you think there's an element of that to people like Rennie and, and maybe Cockrose that you only like them when they're in charge of a team, a bit like Scott Johnson. I, I warmed Scott Johnson when he managed Scotland, but, but you know, if, if you're on the receiving end of it, then it it it, it chafes a bit. But when 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 he's sort of your guy, it's maybe a bit easier to take. Yeah, I mean, he's like one of those, you know, to take it to a slightly different sport. But he's he's you know, he's uh, one of those sort of narky midfielders that everybody hates until they're their own midfielder, and then you know, he's like he's our arsenal, pardon the French. So you know we kind of like him for that. So yeah, I, I, I think I think Cockrell's done a cracking job, right? I mean, I, th- I I think if they can hold on to him for another couple of years, they will they will set themselves well. And, and it's not just the performances on the pitch. You get the feeling that Cockrell's given the entire club from top to bottom a right good shake, um, which is needed for God knows how long, you know. Um, so you know, kudos to Edinburgh. I think. Between them and Glasgow, who's who's had the better season, regardless of you know um, where they've ended up or not, you have to think Edinburgh probably would take the gongs uh, at the end of the season awards um, compared to where they, you know from where they started. It's been a, a sterling effort, I would suggest. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting some of that because he's been you know he's nothing if not candid, Richard Cockrell. Some of the stuff that he's sort of revealed about the way that Edinburgh were working prior to him coming in, like the fact that when he when he started, he, the players were driving from the offices at Murrayfield to the training pitches in their cars, which I, I, I just can't imagine. Uh, it's hard to imagine that that why they would even do that in the first place, but it sort of paints a general picture of the sort of way that Ember had gone, Rory, and it's nice to see things turning around and maybe them almost becoming, a, a without wishing to offend any Ember listeners, um, a proper club. Yeah, I mean, I think the stadium thing has has kind of dogged them. Well, it's certainly been. Um, I think Al's first article ever written for the uh, for the blog ten years ago was um, about Edinburgh's problems with uh, Murrayfield and not having a stadium, and that was when he was living five minutes around the corner from the place. Um, and yeah, it has kind of it, it it sort of eased their perception as they're they're kind of treading water and they're being supported by. The SRU because they're basically operating out of all the facilities and they don't really have their own identity. Um, I think it was good to see that that branding exercise 
regardless of what people think about the logo and stuff, it was it was clearly a sort of concerted effort to think about Edinburgh as a different as a different entity as a club and to try and almost represent that now that they now that they you know had a season with with Cockrell in charge and and things look like they're going in the right direction on the plate you know on the pitch they're saying right well we've actually got a product that we can market now so they're you know rather than marketing the product and then finding out the product was rubbish they've, they've kind of almost made sure the product is going to be okay and then then they're saying right now come and come and support us and what I mean, the, the the other thing that one sort of uh, submission we had on um, Embra was from uh, the Black and Red, or the artist formerly known as the Black and Red, of course, because now black, blue, burnt orange, and indigo. <laughs> burnt, burnt orange and navy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this Embra really lacking a nine? And there's been no. We'll, we'll touch on Glasgow's uh, transfer concerns in a minute, but. Uh, Ember really lack a nine, and this, there's been this constant swirl of rumours that one of the Glasgow nines is going to go across, and it might be Pergos, it might be Price, but it, it, who, I mean, uh, the Black and Red is saying that, th- that he would be happy with Pergos. I mean, for you, Al, who would who would make more sense? I think Pergos would make more sense, right? It, I can't see Ali Price fitting into um, Cockrell's game, and I, I my concern for Price is that. Um, I, yeah, I just don't think he would align with the the, the route that he's trying to take, uh, that Cockrell's trying to take Edinburgh. I think if you drop Price in there, there's a chance that Price, at this point, I think he really needs, um, he needs an environment where he can be allowed to flourish. I think he'd be under a bit, more, bit too much pressure there because I th- he would work counterintuitive to maybe the rest of the game plan. I know they're becoming more expansive, but they aren't, you know, the 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 all singing, all dancing, you know, entertainers that. Glasgow have traditionally been over the last sort of three or four years with great success. I would suggest that's not meant to be derogatory. Um, I think Pergos we might fit in there. A bit more experience. Um, I could see him settling in there and, and fitting Cockrell's brand uh, for uh, Cockrell's sort of direction a bit better at this point. And then um, Rory, for you, what what does what would mark a successful season for for Embra? I mean, because in a way. Uh, you know, Richard Cockrell was very forthright in saying that they didn't deserve to be in the playoffs and, you know, they maybe got lucky getting as far as they did in Europe. So it wouldn't necessarily be an unsuccessful season, I guess, if they didn't make the playoffs this year, but just sort of consolidated their position a bit more in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I would say the, they should be they should be definitely aiming to qualify for Europe again, so the top six. Um, and... I mean, I would think, I thought I think they should they, they would be within their rights to revise their um, revise their their targets a little bit. I mean, yeah, go for the go for the playoffs. Why not? Um, it depends. I guess it depends on the pools. I can't remember if they swap the pools or you know the conferences, whatever they want to call them, in the Pro 14, whether they swap them around or whether it'll be the same same bunch um, again next you- year. But does anyone actually seriously believe that Cockrell thinks they were genuinely lucky, or do you not think it's it's him trying to manage the bill, you know, any potential Billy Big Bollocks within his own uh, squad from thinking again, doing what Scotland have done, going back to the conversation in the previous episodes, um, you know, just because they've done well in one season, they've not arrived. You know, this is yeah a longer journey, and I wonder if there's an element of that. You know, there's expectation management not just with his paymasters and the fans, but I think for the, you know, a reminder to his own guys that, um, you know, this is, this is not done by any manner of means. Yeah. I actually think it's quite encouraging that he's speaking in that way, to be honest. Yeah. Cause I suppose Ember have 
fitted and flirted in the past with success in Europe and then never really built on it. So, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they've, they've tended to be a sort of um, flat, flash in the pan team. They've never really done done much of note in terms of you know building a consistent presence at the top end of the the pro pro twelve to fourteen uh, league table. And I think, yeah, I mean, I'll probably got a point there about you know Cockerell managing the expectations certainly when they got the um when the the Champions Cup pool draws came out he was very sort of oh it'll be great for us to test ourselves against these top teams and see where we are not it'll be great for us to beat them and qualify top of our pool Mm. um not that that's much of a possibility but um you know Edinburgh are a pretty they're a pretty dogged proposition I think um you know his his first aim was probably to make them a hard team to beat um and he succeeded with that he probably didn't maybe expect that they would then use that as a platform to win quite so often as they did but um yeah they i mean you know they've they've got they've got that uh, they've got that sort of that determination about them um which ironically glasgow have, have sort of been have been lacking a bit and i think he'll yeah, I mean, he will. He will want to play a bit more expansively, but he's still probably going to want to to win win the battles up front. I mean, if you look at the, the leaps and bounds the Edinburgh pack took last season and the effect it had on the players who the guys who play for Scotland too, um, you know, that's that's only going to help. He's got John Barkley coming in. He's got another couple of signings. He's got Luke Hamilton coming in. Um, yeah, so I think uh, yeah, he'll he'll probably uh, he'll probably talk it down. He'll say they'll be looking to qualify for Europe again, um, but I would say in his head, he's he's by, the, the playoffs should be the minimum target really for both teams. Yeah, I think I think for me what will be interesting is, you know, he talked about instilling a culture in within Embra and, and whether or not that can be maintained for a second season, mm-hmm. um, because what was interesting at the start is you had issues very quickly and two very big issues very quickly into his tenure is that he's, he's chosen captain. Magnus Bradbury was found in a state of disarray, allegedly, mm-hmm. um, and and all of a sudden was dropped as captain, and, and I think you know what wasn't picked for it had to play his way back into the team, and then I hadn't hadn't quite grasped at the time how quickly this happened. Literally four days later, after that, uh, John Hardy was suspended while pending yeah. an investigation. So, do you know you, you the, the, there was obviously an issue at the club with, so you know. The, the way that the players were um, sort of socialising, shall we say, um, that 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 Cockrells has dealt with and the SO dealt with very swiftly, and and, and t- I suppose this season will show whether or not he's now instilled sort of that culture within the club, and and that that can carry on, and we won't see a repeat of that. I mean, he he talked about that though very early coming in, didn't he? You know, he, the the fact that. I think he recognised the fact that the flares weren't fit enough. Um, you know, they, they were nowhere near where they needed to be in terms of just pure fitness. But the culture was all wrong. Um, he's, you know, he's. He, I think he's got that bedrock of that culture. So any new players coming in are coming into, you know, and I think you saw that with some of the players that came in last year and didn't have the sort of the, you know, the the previous years there. Um, you know, I think shone up quite well and I think I've bought into that that, that cockerel uh, yeah I yeah, was just thinking of is it van der Merwe on the wing and then the, the is it van der Velt van der Velt 
Van der Velt. Um, Hang on, I'm trying to find it. Well. Wait, wait, Cammy's going to get the theme tune. Hang on, carry on talking. I'll find it in the middle of the basket. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think the challenge... Oh, here we go. So, yeah, the challenge will be <laughs> if uh, you can carry that on to next year. Yep. I'm just going to let that run for a bit. <laughs> just because I haven't played it for so long. It's a beautiful, beautiful music. So, yeah. Um, but, they've, I mean, the interesting is at 10 now, they've got some really good depth at Edinburgh, actually, because they've got um, they've got Van der Volk, um, and they've now got this new... Oh, I've looked his name up beforehand. It always escapes. The, the, Simon Hickey. Simon Hickey has come in as, as well. And then you've you've even got... I noticed that they've actually, um, on the Edinburgh website, even Callum, Callum McClelland is named in the Edinburgh squad now, who's the yeah. Scotland under 2010. I mean, he, yeah, he... He came in, I think, at the start with a full full pro contract, even though he was about twelve and um, <laughs> had only played rugby played, league. Hadn't yeah. played for Scott. Yeah, he'd only ever played rugby league. But um, yeah, I mean, he uh, he showed up pretty well from what I saw of the under under twenties. Um, if I can give a quick plug, uh, Kevin Kevin Miller, our uh, in depth in depth stats and previews man, is uh, he's been doing a he's been doing a look back at the under twenties tournament. He's going to have those going out this week. I think there's five parts, so it's pretty pretty epic look back. And um, I think McLellan's listed in there is one of the guys to watch. Um, yeah, so good good depth at Edinburgh at, at ten. Um, not sure McLellan is probably the only Scottish qualified one at the moment, and he's as I say very young still and quite wee. Yeah. Um, although he looks to have a, you know, he's got a pretty complete skill set for a for a young guy. I think he he could be, he could could be quite exciting in the future. Simon Hickey, uh, very comes very highly regarded. Um, I think former New Zealand under twenty captain, yeah. spent some time at the Auckland Blues, but he's been sort of languishing in France for a wee bit. I think. Um, yeah, he could he could be a he's another a good one who you know everyone's expecting to sort of waltz into the the team, but um, Van der Vaal, did uh, pretty, did pretty well um, when he was called upon um, last last season. Um, obviously, he managed to wrestle the, the ten shirt from both Jason Tovey and uh, Duncan Weir. Um, yeah, not just wrestle, so, not yeah. just wrestle it, but banish not them both wrestle. from Edinburgh yeah, never to be seen again. End, ended their careers. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, um, he's he's good, and I think he does have aspirations. Uh, I think both the, the South African lads have aspirations to. Uh, to qualify for Scotland, I think they just got in in time to do the, you know, the three-year residency. Yeah. Um, certainly, we you know we're talking about uh, trying to find trying to find extra wingers. Um, Van der Merve, the other Van der Merve is um, yeah, he's got serious gas on him, and he's he's a pretty pretty useful winger. Kind of is sort of Tim Tim Visser-esque, um, but with a little bit more pace. So um, yeah, I mean if he's still if he's still going like that in two three years. I'm not sure how old he is. He's probably a wee bit older, maybe 24 or something like that. So, you know, he'd be, he might, he might, uh, might, might get in in time to win a few, win a few caps. But uh, yeah, I mean, they've got some, they've got some good, some good, uh, good depth now. And as you say, I think it was important with the culture is the new guys that came in didn't have an option to buy. It was, you know, this is the new culture. This is how it is now. There's no, there's not a choice about it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I think that that's that's definitely worked, and I think we'll see that again with the new guys coming in this season. Yeah. Um, I think John Barkley will be he's he's very very straightforward, um, kind of laid back laid back, but um, you know, to the will point. He, will he come in as captain? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, he's not going to probably. They don't think he'll play till January, maybe. 
Yeah. So, um, I don't know. He he could make him. I don't know. He could make him club captain or something. But yeah, you'd think that. I think uh, who was who took over? Fraser McKenzie. Was it Fraser McKenzie took over? Didn't he? From Bradbury. Yeah. So and I think I think the, I think right, the theory think. In, with that at the time was that he he's unlikely to get picked for Scotland, so you have that continuity during yeah. the international windows. Yeah, I mean, you had McInerney and Gilchrist as joint captains before. McInerney's obviously showed his credentials a bit more as a captain now, um, so they might give it back to him because he didn't. I think his problem when he was co-captain is he wasn't really getting picked, and Gilchrist did most of it. Um, but uh, now that you know. Now he's the first choice by by a good distance. Um, they might they might give it to him maybe or you know somebody that we don't see coming maybe Hamish Watson or Jamie Ritchie's another young guy. He um, he's been I think age grade captain. He could maybe do it. Yeah, I mean we talk we talk about the 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 depth at the, at Embra and, and if we move on to Glasgow, a lot of the shouts that we've had from Glasgow fans in particular for this and the season review is is this idea that that Glasgow maybe lack depth in quite a number of positions compared to Ember, particularly at 10, I think there's been a lot of worry that, that Finn, there's been no replacement for Finn Russell. And you, yeah. I think, was it today that was, um, was Billy McDev on Twitter was say was saying that, you know, where's the news of Glasgow's teased signings? And I think Rory, you, you upset him slightly by pointing out that there's only three of those left by the time you take account of David Tamalau yeah. and the Academy lads. Um, it, I mean, is it squeaky bum time for Glasgow transfer-wise, do you think, Al? I think the problem they've got is, are they, is Rennie going to be there? And I think that needs to be sorted out. You know, this whole, the ongoing rumours around, you know, the Wales job and conversation that it's Rennie and Pivak. And, and I don't think he'll end up in Wales. I'd be surprised if he ends up there, but that creates noise. And if I'm going to a club and I'm getting, you know, I'm being approached, I'd like to know who I'm going to be working with. And, you know, Rennie's come with a good reputation. He's, He's a done draw, yeah. He's done pretty well, you know, for Glasgow, other than maybe, you know, towards the end of the season where things kind of petered out. But, you know, you think about the, how quickly they hit the ground. People will be looking at that. But if there's any thoughts that Rainier is moving on, then you start to, as a player, you would start to wonder, well, who am I going to be working with? Is it going to be the right step for my career? And, I, and they might hold off until they find out. So I think that puts... Glasgow in an awkward position, and I think the sooner they can clarify that, then the sooner they can crack on with reshaping the, you know, the the squad and, and the holes in that, and trying to drop people in. Because I think that I do think that's going to hold them back slightly. Going back to the ten issue that we've obviously discussed in the previous episode, I do think that, um, you know, obviously Russell's gone, but I think it will be interesting. I think Hastings would certainly be worth a run, um, at the start of the season, um in that 10 role to see how he holds up unless they can bring somebody else in. But, you know, from a selfish Scotland perspective, I'd quite like to see Hastings get that opportunity to, to, to run the game from there. Um, I think that would be good, certainly for the national team, uh, and probably good for the longer term for Glasgow as well. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting the Dave Rennie, to come back to the Dave Rennie point that, that, um, Richard Cockrell has been given an extension, but Dave Rennie has not, and both of them, mm. have, you know, both of them in their first season, both, I mean, you know, Glasgow didn't have a, a terrible season. You know, they were in a difficult group in Europe and they've made the playoffs. It, it, it's, it's, the, the, I suppose they're quite like you were saying, Al, the question is then why have, hasn't, why haven't they extended Dave Rennie's contract? Is it because Rennie's happy with the length of contract he's got because he wants to keep his options open? And again, like you said, it, it creates 
a lot of uncertainty around the club and the, and the feels Rory a little bit like there's a lot of uncertainty around Glasgow at the minute. Yeah, they're they're having um, they're having some uh, some issues off the field really. Um, there's obviously the stuff with the SRU, which the fan club are sort of trying to work, find a way find a way through um, to do with the season tickets and the fact that the the third um, you know the sort of Silver Saturday Super Saturday. The third third game is going to be the same as it was this year, which means technically it's it's another home game for Edinburgh. Um, I don't think you could argue that it's a neutral venue, unless all the teams on Silver Saturday are from the west of Scotland, in which case <laughs> the rest of the country will probably not not go. But and even then, they they probably would turn up anyway. Um, but yeah, it's certainly especially as Edinburgh this season will be playing all their home games in the big stadium at Murrayfield while they're new temporary. Um, temporary accommodations are being built so yeah um you can see Glasgow fans are a bit feeling a bit hard hard done by um I think certainly financially they're they're still doing doing okay they've obviously still got the budget to um to make this kind of the contract re-signings but whether uh, I don't imagine Dave Rennie's uh, contracts was is particularly cheap whether they've got the um whether they've got the cash to uh to um, you know, sign any big names. I guess the other possibility is that they're waiting for, say, oh, well, not rugby championships, but waiting for Super Rugby to get a bit further down the line. Mm. If there's any names coming in from from that direction, um, I can't. I mean, we're well into the the off season now. You, you can't see why they wouldn't have announced any guys who are coming in from from Europe, from from uh, England, Ireland, Wales, France. Yeah, um, even there's in, no real reason to to have not announced them. And even by su- now, even in Super Rugby, you've you know you've had Brad uh, Blade Thompson and um, yeah. what the the English word Brad, Brad who's who played for Thorn, uh, Brad Thorn? Um, is that right? Or is that a snooker no, player? No, it's not. No, it's not Thorn. It's um, Brad Shields. Brad Shields. Shields yeah, it. I mean both of them have announced they've signed for and there's been a lot of lads still playing in the Super Rugby who've announced where they're going to play in Europe next season so the Blade uh, Blade what's his surname Thompson 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 he's interesting because he's Scottish qualified right he is yeah and yeah. He, he's spoken to the rugby pay, pay, I mean he apparently turned down the chance to go to Glasgow so Glasgow were obviously sniffing around um, mm. he said he hasn't had contact for from Scotland but but it's something he's interested in. What what's going to be interesting, and I want to get off Glasgow too much, but is that Wales international in the autumn? Because that's outside the international window. It's going to be interesting to see how that works for Welsh-based Scottish players, particularly um, Blade Thompson and Sam Hidalgo Klein, because presumably yeah. the Welsh clubs are under no obligation to release those players. But conversely, mm-hmm. Townsend might make the argument: Well, we want if you want us to play our best team, then you're going to have to release those guys to us because all, otherwise all we can pick from is Edinburgh and Glasgow. Yeah. Yep. That's a fair I mean, they, they are centrally contracted in Wales too, I think, to a certain extent, are they? Or are they not? I no, I think they're um, contracted. To, I think the, the international yeah, players they have their central contracts, but yeah. They probably have enough clout that um, that it's uh, that they could, you know, they could look for a special dispensation or something. I mean, most of the, most of the team are... Edinburgh Glasgow based, I would imagine they'll be able they'll certainly be able to cobble a, a, a decent decent enough squad together. Um what that'll do to the pro teams that weekend if they're if they're uh, playing. But Yeah. Um the, the some um Mackay one four 
1,402. So there must be 1,401 other Mackays out there. Um, on Twitter said, have Glasgow peaked? Al. Yeah, well, you know, there's certainly a case to be made. You do wonder. They, they certainly, the way that they tailed off at the end of last season, and, you know, um, I, I don't think they achieved what they would probably have wanted on the European front. I, I think there's a risk, but I think you have to kind of see how it goes over the course of the season. So presuming Rennie stays, you know, if it's a similar season to last year, then you start to think, right, you know, it is maybe starting to 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 tailor off for a while. That doesn't mean they're not going to be successful. I still think they'll be, you know, you know, up there or thereabouts, certainly in the terms of the playoffs. I don't see them having a dramatic slump, but are they going to be quite the, you know, the darlings <laughs> of, of the rugby media that they were, you know, maybe a couple of years ago? Uh, it'll be interesting to see, I think, there's maybe a bit of an evolution that has to happen at Glasgow now to, to move things on. And that's natural. You know, Townsend will have been away a couple of years and it's it's time for a different stamp to be put on that club. And I think um, it's, it's maybe not surprising that they're going through some growing pains. I mean, I suppose that comes to Rory that when we're talking about transfers, if you think about the well, we sort of world class or the, the, the good players Glasgow have signed in the past, they've... It's maybe unrealistic of Glasgow fans to expect um, Glasgow to be signing anyone with any known pedigree, given you know even Uncle Big Nax came in. He was a sevens player, yeah. wasn't he, when he came in? So maybe yeah. it's just a case that some of these guys that are coming up through the academy are good enough, and it's just time will tell. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things Townsend is pretty good at is um, is identifying talent. You know, he he goes and seeks out guys. If you look at his his coaching stuff. Um, the likes of Dan McFarland when, you know, he was, what was he, Connaught forwards coach, and we thought, what was he doing signing him? But, you know, we how that went. Um, Danny Wilson is very highly regarded mm-hmm. that he's just signed. He's, you know, they've got Sean Wayne as a uh, as a kind of consultant as well to help with the kind of, um, some of the te- technical details and things. So, I mean, I think, yeah, Glasgow traditionally, you know, they, they've, and when, when Townsend was coached, they were, they were sort of, they were finding finding the une, the unexpected, the sort of un, unpolished gems, and, and you know, like Nakarara, basically turning him into one of the top five players in the world for the last couple of years. Um, and so they've never really. I mean, I'm trying to think big signings that they've had. They signed Daryl Gibson, but he was kind of well past his uh, past his best when he signed for for Glasgow. That was that was a kind of big. So I mean, yeah, they're not suddenly going to announce one of the Barrett brothers or. Um, you know, a sort of second, third string all black, but um, it, it's a wee bit, yeah, it's a wee bit concerning that they haven't, even if they're, even if they're not signing, you know, the greatest players in the world, it doesn't seem like they're signing many who are, are going to kind of fill fill the holes that they've identified. I mean, I guess big Brian, um, big Brian Allen Racy maybe maybe coming back, so he might plug a gap. Obviously, Tim Swinson's going to be out for a wee while now, so there's a wee bit of a concern that in, I guess the back five. Of the uh, of the pack, they're lacking a bit of a bit of oomph. I mean, they you know their problems are pretty similar to to Scotland's problems. They need to find the number eight who gets them going forward, and they need to figure out who their first choice nine is. Um, so, yeah, I would have liked to have seen Hamilton go in there rather than going to Edinburgh. Yeah, right? I, I, I agree with that. It's, I mean, Edinburgh kind of it's like Edinburgh stacked with maybe maybe it was just a, maybe Cocker was just playing whatever that game is where you swap cards and he just stacked it with back rows because then he wanted to be able to 
to get get a better nine out of Glasgow than he was going to be offered. I don't know. <laughs> Top he would have known. He, he would have known Hamilton as well, though, from his days at Leicester. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. It, was, it was the obvious one, but then they then they signed signed the uh, signed the Fijian lad or yeah, Naiolo, uh, yeah. Yeah, and 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 everyone said, "Why haven't you signed Luke Hamilton?" There's that. Oh, we don't need any more back rows. So then they've signed two since they said that. One of whom was Luke Hamilton. Yeah. Um, England. I, my, if you, um, apologies for the noise on my microphone. I don't know if you guys can hear, but um, I believe England have done done a goal or something because my entire street's just going a bit mental. Um, I believe it's, uh, <laughs> I believe it's gone to penalties. Oh, I think okay. they've just won. I think they've I think actually won. won on penalties. Well, okay. So. Well, I apologise for any noise. I'm unfortunately broadcasting from England um, for my sins. So, um, yeah, my street's going a bit crazy at the minute. Anyway, um, the, uh, the the one thought I had was that the two possible options for Glasgow, and and this may be from left field and may be a non-starter, is at ten play, currently playing for Ma, uh, Manawatu and um, that down in in New Zealand is uh, Jad Tarur. Um, formerly of Edinburgh, who is Scottish qualified, of course, and apparently he, he seems to be playing quite well down there, from what I can tell. Oh, yeah. The limited information on um, he's 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 got over his injury concerns. I think that ended his Edinburgh career, and then the other option in the in the back row is to 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 have another look at um, Shug Blake, who's been playing in sevens. Yeah, Shug Blake. Mm-hmm. So those are those are the only, I mean for for looking around, those are the only two ready options for Glasgow at nine and back row. At ten and back row, sorry, that that are readily available and our squats our squats qualified, which which ticks a box, mm-hmm. and 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 may even be sort of willing to come and live in Glasgow and in Scotland. Yeah. it's hard to yeah. see anybody else that's currently on the market or available or, or coming to the out of out of contract that's looking for a club and would be attracted to come up to Glasgow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not exactly mouth watering, right? <laughs> no, no. So yeah, it's it's an odd one because I think if we if we'd done this review and I don't I can't remember if we did or not, um, someone may write in and tell us. Um, at the end of last season, we we would have been much more positive about Glasgow than Ember, and it seems. I mean, the tinfoil hat wearers um, of of the West Coast may well say that this is what the SRU wants because they want Ember doing well so they can fill Murrayfield. That 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 is the the. the the conspiracy theory that that persists, um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting season to see whether Embra continue to ascend and Glasgow decline. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe a little um, perspective on it as well is that if you think about it, up until what Christmas, Glasgow were actually flying unbeaten. Um, the all the young guns, you know, the guys who quite a few of them have pushed through on the Scotland tour, the George Horns. Um, Adam Hastings certainly played a part. Um, Callum Gibbons played it, played a big, big role before he got injured. But, you know, they were, they were going, going amazingly well. And, you know, had qualified the first, first team to qualify for the playoffs. And yes, you could say that it, you know, it's, they stuttered a little bit once it got to the business end and the games got a bit more serious and the opposition quality went up a bit, but, you know, it wasn't an awful season for Glasgow. Um, I think it just because they had this. There's there's this perception about them that they're just not quite, probably quite similar to Scotland. They're not quite mentally switched on in in the big games. Um, and we saw that, you know, in, in the Saracens game in Europe um, last uh, last season. Um, it just uh, the, there's that sort of there's that sort of thing about them. I mean, you can see it even when you're watching the games on watching the games on 
Sky or, or whatever. And they'll, you know, they'll wax lyrical when Glasgow are playing well, but you can you get the sense that the pundits, the commentators, they never really expect them. You know, they're it's it's not that they're not taking them seriously, but they don't really they don't really rate them as a serious as a serious team, if you know what I mean. It's it's almost like they um it's almost like they flatter to deceive a bit. And I think that's the perception and that's the issue. That's I mean that probably that probably is is true for Scotland as well. Is that actually to, to win win the doubters over? They have to they have to essentially do what Edinburgh have done and and actually you know show that they've got a kind of a steely core. It goes back to that mentality thing, right? They need yeah. to have you know a consistent winning mentality and and not just in you know the, the semi domestic league, right? That I think is kind of a given. Um, I think it really comes down to what they do on a European, and and they have been pretty flaky. They've put in some mm-hmm. you know, brilliant performances, but they've been you know lackluster at times when they should have been better. Um, I, I mean, despite in this sense that we're being very negative in Glasgow, but if you were to have to put money, if I give you ten pound now and said to you, right, which of those two teams, Edinburgh or Glasgow, are going to be in the playoffs at the end of the season, I, I'd probably still put my money on Glasgow, regardless of what we've said. Yeah, and I suppose that it comes down to Glasgow probably victims of their own success in that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been the more successful team of the two over, over the years, so maybe the expectations are higher as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's we'll, we'll move on and uh, we'll we'll do a quick one of... Oh, my phone's frozen. My phone's frozen, so we're going we're gonna, to... There's no uh, Where's Do You Donnelly jingle this week, um, but we've had a couple of submissions for this. Uh, Cameron Anson on Twitter said he met Chunk at his local chippy many moons ago he said what a man shouting chunk and seeing how happy a supper made him will stay with me longer than any selfie you'd get with these days with the stars <laughs> sorry and then we had another one which was chloe on the blog who say, said she saw johnny Beatty uh, on ashton lane i'm assuming that's in glasgow a few weeks ago he was wearing maroon trousers i thought better of him he was built like a brick John Lacey house, though. Now, um, the reason the reason that uh, Chloe has used um, John Lacey there in, in place of a swear is because um, last week on the podcast, if you remember, we, we asked for your suggestions of uh, replacement swear words because we don't swear on the podcast, although occasionally one slips through. Um, she has suggested that we use referees' names in place of swearing as it's something they used to do on the Ember rug, Rugby Forums. Um, so that's a decent shout. We might give that a go. Um, I still think Parks did up is is um, is a decent one. Um, <laughs> well, he's I'm, a right total Wayne Barnes. Yeah, that's that. That, that, yeah. Could, that could stick. What a what a Wayne that. Barnes. Yep. Um, so yeah, um, I think uh, John John had uh, messaged me after the podcast last week and said we should what a complete Mike Brown. Um, yeah. Oh, I, oh, actually, I mean, surely we're missing the most obvious one here. What a complete Roman Poit. <laughs> oh, of course, yes. <laughs> So that's what Danny Dyer said. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll we'll move on to hands in the rock. I don't know what's going on, on my phone. It's not working. Um, so we, there's no hands in the rock jingle this week either. You've had you've had the lions chat in part one, so that that's your fix for this week. Um, Al, what's what's had its hands in your rock this season? Uh, you know, it's 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 difficult to nail it down. I mean, um, apart from the sound of the seagulls on the back of one of your guys' lines, which have been distracting me for oh, the last could, ten minutes, I don't could, know. It could be me. I think there's one on the roof. I've got the window right. open. I wasn't sure. I, I wasn't sure if that was the wild parties that Cam had yeah. referred to. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I like I'm in like the seagulls from the were beach. going nuts. <laughs> um, I, I guess you know we've covered it in the the last episode, but my primary hands in the ruck is just the gnawing sense of slight disappointment that we've had this year. Um, 
it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity potentially. Certainly the Six Nations. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's nothing. It, the, the problem is, is, is Scottish rugby is actually generally on an upward curve and doing positive. It's becoming increasingly difficult to find hands in the rock. I mean, even the recent, the recent sort of. Uh, contretemps, you know, with Finn Russell's dad and, and the SRU's kind of it doesn't feel, you know, sign of something a bit more systemic. So my bile has uh, has eased off somewhat from the earlier days of the blog. But yeah, generally just the, the, the wee sense of disappointment that the season promised and could have delivered a bit more, both I think with the club game and also at an international level. I just hope that the lessons have been learned. Yeah, I think we touched on that last week. It's interesting because I think there's not just a change in mindset within Scotland as a team, but also with the fans. And I think that's that was going to be inevitable as Scotland did better. And I think it's probably, like I said, it's a sign that they're doing better, that we've gone from sort of celebrating, you know, any other year where, we, where we'd won the Calcutta Cup and lost every other game, we'd still probably have said that was a good year for Scotland mm. because we'd won the Calcutta Cup. But now... You know, we like you said, we've we've stuck a load of points on Australia. In fact, beat you know we beat them twice last year, away and home. Stuck a load of points in Australia. Ran New Zealand close. Beat England and France at home. Had a decent summer tour aside from the USA blip. No, you think four or five years ago we would have said that was an absolutely amazing season for Scotland. And I think it's. I mean, it's maybe good in a way that, that there's this change of mindset in the fans that we we expect more and. I think I think that's a positive thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd agree. But it goes, and I think that it's, it's the mentality shift that we're asking the team to go through is the same thing we're asking the fans to go through. Is you know we need to get over the, you know, oh my God, we've won a game, and you know, start getting into, you know, from a fan side of things, is getting a bit more right onto the next one as well, rather than just. Um, celebrating the individual victories particularly if we've got any aspirations of doing anything in the world cup we need to string these together you know we can't just have one good performance yeah um i've gone with uh the general it's been quite a recent thing it's just the the general sort of snobbery of rugby over other sports just as it's sort of persisted over the season really it's become more focused i think in the last week as the world cup's been on with it's quite a lot of former players and even Nigel Owens going on about um, Ronaldo swearing at the referee and Neymar's play acting. I think there's somebody saying it's, you know, that sort of Neymar play acting is just like one long sort of angry meme that the aunties put on Facebook saying this is what footballers do and this is what rugby players do. Um, and I, I don't know, rugby's got its own issues with off-field behaviour. We've touched on that earlier with Embra, um, the problems at Embra earlier this season. And they've got the coming storm of concussion claims as players get older and even just things like you know referee autonomy and the overuse of the TMO, I just think you know we we've got enough of our own problems without sort of lauding some sort of misguided superiority over other sports. So um, yeah, that's that's had its hands in my rock. Even as much as I've not enjoyed watching football, because um, Scott mainly because Scott not in the tournament. Uh, let's be honest, but <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I, I yeah it annoys me, and I think just yeah. The, the whole sort of rugby united foot you know rugby's better than it's a gentleman's game just a no it's it's starting to grate a little i think i did see the uh the, the inventor of rugby united the other day saying that he he had he had issues with uh, with rugby fans on social media yes <laughs> which would seem like which would seem like a rather large windmill to tilt at if you were if it, if it was your own windmill yeah um, 
Yeah, there was um, somebody took issue with me because somebody stole my joke on Twitter the other day. Um, and um, Alan Greenwood, um, who writes for the blog, was, was it your joke? Though? I've seen a few. I've seen a few. <laughs> it like was. That. I've seen, oh, Roger I think, one well, the, the the format was not mine, and I agreed with that. But the I'd applied it to rugby, and they they nicked it word for word. Um, so the for, I didn't claim I wasn't claiming the format. I was merely claiming the um, the, the the particular wording and and punchline. Um, were different in mind, so yeah, that. But I am um, somebody had just. I think somebody had sort of got involved and said, "Can we not all get along? We're all, we're rugby, you know, rugby <laughs> together and things." So yeah, hashtag rugby united. Hashtag rugby united. Let's all just get along. Um, so yeah, uh, Rory, what's what's had to sit our hands in your rucks? I'm conscious of time. Well, I'm I'm rather dis- rather disappointed. They actually skipped past my where's Dougie Donnelly, but oh, um, of course, yeah, no, no, no. Well, go go and give us it because you did message it wasn't, me. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't that exciting. But I was watching some uh, coverage. Uh, the weekend, various, various um, musical musical uh, entertainments. Uh, first, there was uh, Greg Laidlaw and uh, Stuart Hogg down in uh, down South Wales or, or somewhere for a celebrity golf tournament. Uh, I think it was the the home nations. They were the, they were part of the Scottish team, along with the Evans brothers and stuff. But there was a, another Greg with a few beers in him video doing a sing song. I'm not quite sure what song it was singing. I think it, it was a Welsh, Welsh one they'd learnt on the Lions tour, apparently. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there was a bit of uh, bit of singing there. So, that, but actually, when I was watching the uh, the footage of Transmit at the weekend, I thought there could be a place for Greg Laidlaw as um, as the frontman of an Arctic Monkeys tribute band because he does look quite like the guy from the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> so either that, or you know, if Alex Turner ever needs a a double to escape from his fans, he could just get Greg to fill in for him. Anyway. Um, I was actually going to say Neymar for my hands in the ruck, but I'm not going to really. I was, I was only joking. I don't usually actually uh, prepare for this because I'm always, I always forget about it. Um, but uh, here's a few that I've thought of. Uh, there's, there's a, a short list. Uh, losing to Wales. People who say rugby's gone soft when someone nearly gets decapitated. Uh, the All Blacks All or Nothing documentary on Prime not being quite as insightful as you hoped. Uh, Israel Folau for any number of reasons. Refereeing inconsistencies. Keith Russell affair, Edinburgh denying that they were signing Luke Hamilton, then doing it anyway. International backs not being able to execute a two-on-one. Nick Knowles again. Edinburgh letting Sam, Sam Hidalgo Klein go. Duncan Taylor's fragile body losing to the USA, and mostly just that Bowden Barrett tackle and hoggy at the end of the All Blacks game. Yeah. Um, what might have been? That is a solid list. I mean, on on Neymar um, and his diving, I've got um, I, I've got two words: Johnny Sexton. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the last bit of news today, which we should say, um, cult hero of the um, of the podcast and blog, um, Sir Doctor James Robson, um, still short of being officially Sir Doctor James, uh, got his MBE today. So um, yeah, congratulations to him. So we now have to call him Sir well, Dr. James Robson MBE. Yes, that's the from now on. That's the official <laughs> Sir Doctor James Robson Excellent. MBE. Um, so yeah, um, so hopefully at some point he'll get that knighthood. Um, we'll keep campaigning for it anyway. Um, yeah. any, any more for any more from either of you, or are we done for the season? No, I think I think, uh, I think that that covers it. I'm going to go and uh, look under the cushions on the couch and see if I can find any more signings for Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> Dig deep, Rory. Dig deep. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, that's it for a season. Uh, we're going to be back when the season kicks off. Uh, I think in August. Normally kicks off, doesn't it? We've not been no fixtures announced yet. I think they're coming shortly. Um, we might put out a couple of wee pre-season episodes in the meantime, so if you keep an eye on the blog and your apps for those, 
Uh, in the meantime, get in touch with us in the usual way. You can find all the details on the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. But for now, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Alan Rory. Goodbye. goodbye.